every heart and every soul in this room today. May you open our ears, open our eyes, help us see, help us hear. And may we be very present. Lord, I pray blessing over Tyler this morning as he speaks that you can give him your words. In the name, by the blood, by the power of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You can all be seated. Thank you for coming to church the Greek. It's good to see you. Happy Easter. I am so excited to celebrate with you today uh, the fact that Jesus raised from the dead and how that demonstrates the power of God and the, how the power of God unquestionably can help us rise above. Rise above all the struggles that we have. Rise above all the things in our past. Rise above. And so today we're going to be talking about that. But you know, at this past week, I was kind of reflecting on a, what has become kind of a family story in our house. You have some of those with, that you retell often um, in our church family here. I've even told this story before. It's one of those stories you retell, okay? All right, so bear with me if you heard it before. But I was reflecting on last, uh, last spring, I was uh, in involved in a race here at Vista Peak where we had a color run. Anybody participate in anything like that before? Okay. You have the color run, you run around, and then at the end you celebrate. Well, I'm, I'm not too into like the colors and celebrating the colors and that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm into. What I'm into is I'm into winning races. Okay, I'm into winning races. And this is my opportunity to not just to show the community and the field how, how incredible of an athlete I am, but to do one thing, and this was my one goal, is to trash my son, okay? To just trash him. He, at the time, was 11, and now he's 12. And I thought, this is probably my last chance, right? This is my last chance to kind of show him who's boss, to kind of say, all right, son, step aside. I'm the one, you know, I, I, I'm bigger, stronger, and faster than you, son. So, uh, you know, maybe some parents would, would take it, this approach, would say, you know what, let him win. You don't want to build up his self-esteem. Not me. I have a totally different approach. My approach is I'm going to trash him, and I'm going to teach him a little, little something about humility here, right? And so I had a plan. 
And uh, we started this race, and my plan was I'd just, tra- I'd just tail him. I'd just tail my son, and I'd be behind him about, you know, 15 feet. And then the last 200 meters, I'd turn it on, and he would, uh, he would eat my dust. And that was the plan, okay? And so we were running along, and we're doing great, and we're kind of uh, side by side most of the time. My plan is underway. I have a little bit of experience on him. He won't know what hit him. And so we're going around. Everything is going well. I'm, get, I'm getting a little tired, but I know last 200 meters, he's in big trouble. Uh, we come around, and we're coming down the home stretch. And we're coming around the side, and I had my spot marked out to precision. I knew exactly when I was going to turn it on, and he wouldn't know what hit him. And he, apparently, had a plan to turn it on at 250 meters out. (laughs) 50 meters before I was going to turn it on, he turned it on. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I'm in trouble. And so my plan completely changed. And I started sprinting. I went as hard as I could. And I couldn't catch him. I could not catch him. He left me in the dust. He's there at the finish line. I had my finish line dance mapped out, ready to go. And instead, my son beat me. I will not be racing this year. Um, If I do, I'll race my daughter, okay? I'll race my 10-year-old daughter. Maybe I can taunt her a little bit. But I don't know if you've had a moment in your life like this. You've had a moment in life where you said, I have a plan. I got an idea of exactly how this is going to work out. And you go, and life kind of throws you maybe a little bit of a curveball. Things are not exactly how you thought it may be. And all of a sudden, your plan doesn't work. All of a sudden, you're sitting there in a moment where you're like, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to do this. This is my moment. And you go and to find that reserve, and it's not there. And you don't have enough. And the reality is, is every person faces this at some point in their life. At some point in their life, they face the reality of their limitations. And, you know, I think as adults, this is, this is a difficult thing that we kind of struggle through. As we get older and older, there's more and more limitations that become aware, we become aware of. When we're younger, maybe we think, you know what, I'm going to be an astronaut. And then it's like... Sounds like a lot of work. Um, And they spin you around a lot of times, and they don't select that many astronauts. Maybe I might not be an astronaut. And there's moments in time where all of us face, where all of a sudden we're looking at all of the circumstances in our life, and we think it's going to go one direction, and we try to muster up all the courage, all the effort, all the energy to rise to the occasion, and there's not enough. And we don't have it. And it's so challenging and difficult. And there's so many different reactions maybe that we have to this. Sometimes maybe we just give up. Give up on a dream. Give up on like the plans that we had. Give up on those maybe those foolish thoughts that we had as a child. And we try to like kind of settle into the mundane or the ordinary in life. Or maybe there's times where we just continue to struggle through and there's just this difficulty and there's this kind of frustration that is always present where it's like, hey, I set a New Year's resolution and I was working on it. Didn't quite come to pass. 
ah, I got to do it again, and I got to try harder, and I got to try harder, and I got to try harder, and I try harder. And there's just this constant frustration because there's just not enough, and you don't have enough. A year ago, in front of this congregation, I made a bold proclamation, okay, a little over a year ago. We did a series at New Year's where we were saying, we're going to break through, and we're all cheering, we're like, breakthrough. We're going to bust through all this stuff. And I had a couple of goals in my life that I was like, I'm going to break through. One of them in particular was just trying to break through and get, you know, healthier in my life, eat better, exercise more and do all these things. So as a visual illustration of that, what I did every Sunday morning for seven weeks is I did push-ups right here on stage. Anybody remember that? Okay. I started in my first week with about 20 to 25 push-ups, but I kept doing a lot of push-ups. By the end of it, I got to over 60 push-ups. I deserve a hand for that, okay? Come on, come on, all right? So at the end of the series, I was so jazzed up at my progress, I made a bold proclamation. I said, next year, I'm going to come out and I'm going to do push-ups again, but I'm going to get 100. I'm going to do 100 push-ups. I can't do 100 push-ups. Um, I have uh, lost a little bit of weight. I've been healthier. I have worked out uh, to some degree during this past year. I can't come close to 100 push-ups. I've tried it at home many, many times. I think I would have to get down to about 85 pounds in order to do 100 push-ups. I've gotten close to 70, but that's about it. I can't do 100 push-ups. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, I hope everybody forgot about my bold proclamation. 100 push-ups. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to prove to everybody, like, what hard work and dedication is, uh, can accomplish. I can't do it. And there's a limit. And there's a moment in time where we have to face that. And there is something even bigger and something even deeper that we all have to face. And something that the Easter story directly talks to and speaks to is that ultimately, even if we have lots of obstacles in life that we overcome, a lot of goals that we achieve, a lot of things that go well in our life, there is something looming that is something that all of us have to face and we cannot overcome. And that is death. That is our own mortality. That the reality is, is we have to face at some point in time that we will die. On Easter Sunday, the story is unique and the story is different. You know, and I think in many ways, the miracles in the Bible directly point to, um, point to us the reality that we are limited, that we're limited. There's things that we cannot do. There, and I think that's why many of the miracle stories are in the Bible. One of the reasons is that Jesus shows up and he walks on water. And people around are like, I can't do that one. I can't do that. People, he heals people. And they're like, I can't do that one. That is pretty impressive. And ultimately, in the end, the greatest miracle of all is Jesus rose from the dead. Ultimately, every single one of us will have to face our limitations. The biggest one being that we will one day die. 
And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those limitations? Just continue to kind of grit and bear it and figure it out and be frustrated and all of these things or something else. And that's what the scripture points to. And that's what Luke chapter uh, 24 that was, that was put on the screen points to. Is, is people in this world, we will always face our limitations. We'll always face the frustration of what I can't do. And you see the women coming to the tomb to face death. And that's really what they were doing in Luke 24. Is that they were showing up to deal with. And have the moment where they can put, have peace at the fact that Jesus is dead. That Jesus is dead. They had their hopes and dreams on him being their Messiah, their king. Just a week earlier, he had like triumphantly entered in on Palm Sunday and was kind of proclaimed a king by the community and was, was like, like this was a crowning moment. And a week later, he's dead. And they're faced with this reality and are like, what in the world do I do now? I guess I have to come to grips with this. And as they approach the tomb, they hear the incredible message. And you heard the whole passage, but specifically a message that says this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. This is a message that is proclaimed from another world, by other worldly beings. Because it's only by other worldly beings and other worldly factors that this can be a reality. And that's the message that is proclaimed. And, and, and pause for a moment on this point and think about it, is that in our world, we have to face the reality of our limitations. We have to face the reality of our mortality and our death, ultimately. But otherworldly beings show up in this place and say, there is more to life than you may know. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you pursue those things among the dead? I want you to pause for a moment and think about in your life, the times in your life where you have pursued things that ultimately will only lead towards death. We don't have to be so fatalistic about it, but those things where you have like pursued it and said, I am going to do this, and ultimately you've come to the conclusion you're not up to the challenge. You can't do it. You know, it's a great thing that we try to tell kids and we, we uh, uh, proclaim it all the time. We're like, you can do anything. That's not true. You know that? That's not true. You can tell your kids you can do anything, but they can't. There's some things they can't do. And so in this, in this world, we're looking at this, and we need to all reflect on what are the things that I cannot do? What are the things that are beyond my power and beyond my control? There are things that you can do, but you have a limit. And ultimately, your life has a limit. And so they say, what? why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is risen. This is an otherworldly message. 
This is an otherworldly proclamation beyond your capability. This is something bigger and way beyond you. This is the power to rise above. And that's the proclamation that is made. You know, it's interesting how Jesus, even before this moment, was preparing and talking about these principles, but it was hard to grasp. And you know, the, the, the angels are, are telling these women, you should understand this because Jesus told you this is what was going to happen. Earlier, he was talking to people in the book of John, chapter 12. And he says in John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, he says this. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Those are powerful words. And in many ways, they kind of... It's kind of sharp, and it's kind of a little bit direct, and maybe even we could take it as an offensive statement, where Jesus says, if you love your own life, your own agenda, your own stuff, your own goals, your own ambitions, your own whatever you have in store, whatever you have planned, guess what? It's going to lead to death. You're going to die. You will not be able to make it. There is nothing that you can do to overcome that reality, no matter what, no matter how smart, how strong, how wise, how diligent you are, it ultimately will lead to death. That's what he says. But the reality is this, that those who hates their life in this world will keep it to eternal life. The person who stubbornly persists that they can do it alone, the end game is death. The end game is it's over. There's nothing more. That's the end game. Those who recognize the deep truth that Jesus is trying to communicate, the deep truth that Easter proclaims, that if you die to self now, You can live with God forever. This is the deep truth that is proclaimed. And you know, it's interesting how Jesus illustrates it. He illustrates it with this. Can you see it? You can't see it. Who's got really good eyes? Can you see it? Anybody know what this is? It's not a mustard seed, but it is a seed. If you can determine with those eyes what kind of seed it is, that would be impressive. Um, but it is a seed. And he, has, he talks about that, and he looks at it, and he says, this is the image I want you to recognize. There's going to be things that go down, and I want you to look at this, and this is what I want you to remember. That unless a seed falls to the ground, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It only remains a single seed. In many ways, this is the picture of your life. 
In many ways, this is what the Easter story is about. That your life has, yes, it, it possibly could have potential, but really, ultimately, something has to die. You know, seeds are really, really important, right? Really important, profoundly important. In fact, I don't know if you know about this, but I want to show you a picture here and see if anybody knows what this is. Anybody know what this is? There, we got an answer. That's correct. This is the global seed vault. Okay? This is the global seed vault, and it's actually um, uh, in Norway, I believe. Okay. Uh, I might be wrong on that, so uh, give me grace. Okay. All right. So this is the global seed vault. People all around the world take take seeds from all over the world and they package them in 500 seed packages and they package them in an airtight aluminum bag and they put them in this seed vault. There are about 900,000 samples of seeds from all around the world. Thousands of different kinds of wheat, thousands of different kinds of corn, every different variety that there is in this world is packaged in an airtight aluminum sealed uh, uh, case and stored there and cataloged. Look at this place. It looks like a nuclear bunker, right? It is stored at negative uh, 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit precisely because that is precisely the temperature that they know that, that these seeds can be preserved not only for a generation but thousands of years actually. And there's occasions when there's like a drought or whatever where they take some seeds from the seed vault and take it and replenish what is going on in other places. The point of the seed vault. You understand the point of the seed vault? The point of the seed vault is if it gets really bad, if big stuff goes down, right? If the world is blowing up everywhere and people are starving, we still have hope because we have seeds stored away in a seed vault. So we can take those seeds and we can grow plants and we can like survive. That's a big deal. There's millions and millions of dollars that have been invested in a stinking seed vault that is kept at 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Thousands of seeds. Because it's a big deal. Because one seed has the possibility of doing something that is, that is amazing. It can feed lots and lots of people. And it reproduces itself. And it's, it's an incredible thing. And so Jesus gives us this picture. He gives us the picture of the seed. And he, he says, this is what's about to happen. A seed falls to the ground and dies but it produces multiple seeds and it does it over and over and over again and something amazing and profound happens that could never happen if that seed just remains a seed, unplanted. This is the picture. And then Jesus dies, goes to the tomb, and the people show up and they're like, where is he? And they're like, you should know. If you're looking for the living, 
Don't look for the living among the dead. He's alive. He's risen. There's a different picture and a different story. There's a different reality that is going on that you need to be aware of. Is that if you remain and continue to persist in this idea that I'm going to do it on my own, that I'm going to live my life on my own, I am going to accomplish everything on my own, it's kind of like an unplanted seed. It's kind of the potential of that nothing will take place. There is no life after this life at that point in time. But Jesus gives us a different picture. And he says there is something different about this reality that you need to grasp and get a hold of. Is that you can't do it on your own, but there is a creator that can walk alongside you. There is a God that can walk alongside you in this life and in this earth. If you think about all the miracles that took place, all of the pictures that Jesus was trying to demonstrate with the miracles, I really do believe that that is the dramatic picture he's telling us, is that you are limited and can't do it on your own. And that's really the whole story of all of the scripture, is that if you're on your own, it's going to be tough. If you're on your own, it's going to be difficult and you're going to have limits. But that's why Easter is so powerful. That's why the message of Easter is so important. And that's why it's a big deal. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 says this. That, that it is written, what is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this saying? Is that death means nothing to me. That's nothing. There is a place and there is a, a, a place you can get to where there is a peace and there is a celebration despite the fact that all of us have to face the limits that we have. All of us have to face our own limitations. That when we rise up, when we struggle through, when we say, I'm rising to the occasion and we don't find it, there is another answer, but it is beyond you. And it's an otherworldly message. And it only can be that. Because it's beyond your capability. It's beyond your strength. And that is kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Is that if we could do it all on our own, if we could figure it out, and if we could just like manage on our own and handle all of life's challenges on our own, there would be no need for God. There would be no need for anything else, but that is not true. And I think deep down in our hearts and our spirits, we know and we recognize, and maybe stubbornly, we struggle along trying to deny the obvious reality that you can't do it by yourself. Or you can say, I get it. I get it. I get what this is about. I get the purpose of this. I get 
the message, the otherworldly message that you're proclaiming to us. That there is another way. That there is a God that is in control. That there is more to life than this. So, this is the image that Christ gives us. The seed. But really, at this time of year, the image that we celebrate and the image that we look at and the reason that this is a great time of year is because of this. I can't get one. There we go. It's the flower, right? This is what's great about this time of year is that the cold has gone away. The sun has come out. You see my little sunburn that I got the other day from our egg hunt. And things start to bloom, and there is new life. That is the picture. This is where it starts, and this is where it ends. You know what? Some of the simplest things in life are beyond our control. The scripture even says, you know, you can't even grow a flower. You can't do that. They're everywhere. The grass grows and it goes and, you know, the trees bloom and the flowers and all that stuff. It seems so simple. Guess what? You can't do that on your own. You can put it in there and you can plant it and you can try. But God is giving us this miraculous and amazing picture where it says, it's God that makes things bloom. It's God that gives new life. This is beyond your control and beyond your ability. But there is a God that says, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? I've risen. And that's what the story of Easter is about. Today, what I want to do to celebrate Easter is to participate kind of in a symbolic act. It may, you may say, well, it seems a little cheesy. Well, that's okay. Get over it. Um, but I want you to think about a symbolic act today. As is our tradition, we participate in communion weekly. And the reason for that is it's a reminder. It's a reminder of our limitations. It's a reminder that it is only through God that we can have new life. It's only through God that we can have forgiveness. There are things in our power that, there are things in life that are beyond our control and power. And so as a result, we reflect on that by participating in the symbol of communion on a weekly basis. And today I'm going to invite you to participate in that with us as well. But beyond that, as, as a symbolic act, as something that hopefully on Easter Sunday in particular, you can like get ingrained in your mind. Is that what I invite you to do is to come to this cross after participating in communion. This cross over the last few weeks we pointed to and looked to because it is the symbol of death. It's a symbol of execution. It's a symbol of torture. It's not particularly something that maybe uh, makes a lot of sense to wear around your neck all the time. But that's, that's what it is. 
It's a symbol of death. But the reason we look to this symbol is because we know what the scripture teaches. We know that if that seed falls to the ground, if it's buried, there is a resurrection. If that seed is buried, there's a resurrection. And right now in your life, you have an opportunity. Could be for the first time or it could be for the hundredth time that you reflect on and say, God, I need to bury some of my will. I need to bury some of my agenda. I need to bury some of myself. And look to you. I need to open myself up to your way, your path. I need to humble myself before the creator of the universe and recognize my limitation. It's a very simple thing, but a profound thing when we release control in some way in our life and we say, God, forgive me. God, help me. And as a way to symbolize this act, I want to invite you to take one of these flowers. If you get a giant bundle like this, you might have to break one off. Um, take one of these flowers, and you can come to the cross, and you can remember that death ultimately is a picture of new life. And you can place your flower at the cross. I don't want it to be something stupid or something that you just do because we, we're, we're all doing it. I want you to take a moment to pause and reflect and say, I get it. I release some of the control. There's things beyond my power. And if something in me doesn't, if something in me doesn't die, there will be no new life. Will you pray with me? God, what a beautiful picture that you give us. From death to life. God, in these moments, I pray that just each of us would Reflect on the hard truth that we have a limitation, that there's things that are beyond our control and beyond our power, and ultimately, we are mortal. That we need to look death in the face and recognize there will be an end to our days. But God, we look to you. We look to you for hope. We look to you for something more. So right now, God, we just offer our prayers to you. I invite you in this moment just to say your own prayer. You don't have to follow any scripts or anything like that. Just offer up your own prayer of repentance. Kind of a word, it's a word that means turning away, saying sorry, seeking out God. 
So I invite you right now to offer your own prayers to God.